You probably know the times in your life where you've stood out in a crowd. Sometimes they might be good things to stand out in a crowd, like if you're on the athletic fields and you are better than everybody else. Or maybe if you are the valedictorian or salutatorian of your class. There are other times it's not great to stand out. Maybe when you're singing karaoke, if you're the one that's off-key, that's not a great time to stand out. A couple years ago was the last time I think the Badgers beat Michigan in football. I remember watching on television and the sea in the student body of white and red was interrupted by one lonely fan in maize and blue. And every time the Badgers scored a touchdown, the camera would pan to him. And his face was getting sadder and sadder as the Badgers were beating Michigan. That was probably not a great day for him to stand out. And I thought about that when I thought about why it is that as Christians sometimes we would rather fit in than stand out and why that's such a temptation for us. And when we look at God's promises and remember what Jesus has done for us, we have every reason to want to stand out rather than fit in. And today we're going to talk about that as we talk about how we have been transformed uh, by the grace and mercy of our Savior. But I want to talk a little bit about exotic pets. And what, what I mean by exotic is something that's not the run of the mill, like a cat or a dog or even a hamster. You know, something that you kind of maybe have to go out of your way to get. So I'm going to give you about, I don't know, 90 seconds. I'd like you to talk to somebody close to you or a group close to you about two things. Number one, if you've had some kind of out-of-the-norm exotic pet. I want to hear about that. So you talk to somebody about that, and then I'll ask you about it in a little bit. Or, secondly, if cost and availability were not, an, not any obstacle, what exotic pet would you like to own? All right? 90 seconds. Go ahead. Talk to people who are next to you. Okay, that was great. That was a nice, lively discussion. I'm not going to ask everybody, but I would like to take some. If you have had an exotic pet, would you just raise your hand and I'll call on you. You can tell me what your pet was. Anybody have something like out of the norm? Ashley. A bearded dragon. Yeah, that's, a, that's a actually, I think I found that on a top 10 list of exotic pets to have a bearded dragon. So, all right, that's a good one. Jacob. A snake, king snake, or is that what it's, oh my gosh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could have a snake, I'm not sure if I'm up for that, but amazing to have a snake, okay, anything else, boy, go ahead, Kira. chinchilla, I saw your chinchilla one day, yeah, that's the pet on the bottom left there, chinchilla, okay, no tarantula people out there, like just fun to have the tarantula crawl up and down your arms, okay, yeah, somebody, are, people are already, shuddering about that. 
Hedgehogs? No hedgehogs in here? I thought maybe somebody would have a hedgehog. Okay. And of course, we'll talk about chameleons in just a little bit. All right, how about, I'll take just a couple suggestions. What would you own if you could own an exotic pet that, uh, you know, cost and there were no obstacles? Kiri? A platypus. platypus. And Perry, not just any platypus, but Perry the platypus. All right. (laughs) Anybody else want to throw one out there? I I think I heard monkey up here. Did I hear monkey? Yeah. Are you guys big Friends fans? That kind of monkey you want? No. Okay, yeah. A woolly, a woolly mammoth. All right, that's an availability issue, but I said availability was no obstacles, so. A baby hippo. All right, that would be exotic, yeah. All right, good, good suggestions. Good suggest- I want to talk to you just a little bit about chameleons tonight. Nobody's owned a chameleon. They're pretty amazing creatures. All right, I'm going to give you three of the really fun facts about chameleons, and I'm going to start with the idea that their eyes are very, very unique. Do you know that chameleon's eyes can actually move independent of each other? And they can actually see about 180 degrees. The eye can move 180 degrees. So theoretically, if one eye moves one way and the other moves the other way, you could probably say chameleons actually have eyes in the back of their head. They can see just about everything. And of course, that helps them as they get ready for capturing their prey. Second fun fact, their tongues. Do you know that a chameleon's tongue can be two times as long as its body? And that's not even the best. It's made up of muscle and bone, so it can kind of wrap around whatever it is that it catches. But it's the speed of the tongue that's truly amazing. In our technologically advanced world, they can slow down the frames so that they can actually see and watch a chameleon's tongue shoot out of its mouth and come back in. They've estimated that a chameleon's tongue can travel as fast as 8,000 feet per second. I don't know exactly what that compares to, but it literally could go from zero to 60 twice as fast as any car that has ever been created. It's a pretty fast tongue. One last thing, and this is the one you probably know about, they do change their colors, but not always to blend into their surroundings. That's not always the reason a chameleon changes his color. Sometimes they change their colors because of their mood. Yes, chameleons were the original mood rings. But they also change their colors depending on the temperature, light, or darkness. They change their colors depending on humidity. And so sometimes chameleons very much stand out with their colors. And other times they absolutely blend into their surroundings as well. And so today as we think about that, what it means to fit in and what it means to stand out, Let's use these words from Romans chapter 12 to hear God's encouragement to why we want to stand out uh, as his people. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love the book of Romans because... What Paul does in the book of Romans is leave a trail of these beautiful passages after establishing very clearly that that we fall short of the glory of God. He over and over and over again assures us that it's Jesus who's taken our place, that it's Jesus who changes us from condemned sinners to children of God and heirs of eternal life. And, And as he lays that trail out for us, he gets to the, now, how do you want to live in response to that. I didn't read verse 1, but if we we backed up one verse, 
The Apostle Paul starts chapter 12, verse 1 with these words, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship, he says. Those words, in view of God's mercy, really set the tone for what he says next, how we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. You see, what Christ has done for us, that, that mercy that we've experienced, the, the compassion of our God to send his son to die for us, that's what changes everything. And what God wants, what Paul tells us to do is give an offering. And the offering isn't something reluctant or grudgingly given because the offering is our very lives. Offer yourselves, Paul says, as living sacrifices. I don't know if that strikes us today to hear the words living sacrifices put side by side, but to someone who understood the Old Testament sacrificial system, those words would have sounded odd. Because by definition, a sacrifice was dead. But not us. God has given us opportunities to, in our lives, be living sacrifices, to live in such a way that we reflect God's love for us and our honor for our Savior. And so maybe we have to ask the question, well, well how does this all happen? Well, did you hear what the Apostle Paul said? It, it's not by our own doing. The pattern of this world is what we would gravitate to normally, but God has set a new pattern in our hearts. He's changed us. He's changed us by what Christ has done. He has given us a new life. That's the word that the Apostle Paul read, uh, uses. He says, be renewed in your mind. That's what this transformation is all about. Being changed in not just mind, but in heart and in our lives as well. Would you be surprised to know that the Greek word for be transformed is the word metamorphosis? In, in effect, what God is saying is there's something completely new created in view of God's mercy because of what Christ has done for us. Now, the unique thing about that is that newness that's created in us also creates something that results in a battle, a struggle. Because existing inside of you and me and every Christian are really two different natures. There's an old self, the part of us that doesn't care about what God says, that only lives to please me, that lives side by side with this new creation in us, what is born in us by this God's mercy that Paul is talking about? That new self that lives to please God, to do everything that honors the one who redeemed us. And that new versus old battle is a constant frustration that we feel in this life. And it's that old self that wants to blend in. That doesn't want to stand out, that doesn't want to be seen as different. But it's the new self that says, how? How can I be an example to others of what it means to be a follower of Jesus? So how do we let that new self get the upper hand on the old self? Well, that comes from God too. When we're connected with our Savior through his word, when you're doing exactly what you're doing right now, hearing a message from God's word, that's when God gives strength to the new man to fight against that old self. The new self gets the upper hand when we're constantly reminded of what Christ has done for us. Oh, the temptations won't go away this side of heaven, but our ability to fight the battle comes 
from the one who renews our minds. So why? Why do we want to be different? We want to be different because of what we have. The knowledge, the faith that God has given us to believe that the sacrifice that Jesus made for us changes absolutely everything. I wish I would have done this earlier in my ministry, but I've been doing this a lot more when I go to visit someone in the hospital. And I'll check in to the front desk now and let them know that I have no COVID symptoms, so it's okay for me to go up and visit someone. And then I usually say to the front desk person or whoever's seeing me, God bless your day. You'd be surprised at the looks that I get sometimes. Why would you say that to me? And then sometimes I'll say it to people in the elevator as I'm riding up and down. And today I was at the hospital visiting someone and I said it to a nurse as she was riding with me on the elevator. And on the way down when I said it, she said to me, God bless your day too. And I just thought that was a pretty cool thing to just tell someone that you care, that you want them to experience the blessings that God has for them, especially in their Savior, Jesus. You see, that temptation to to kind of be Christians when it's convenient, that's always going to be there, isn't it? It's always something we're going to fight. I'm going to take you back to my childhood a little bit. That's not me on the bike, but pretty close. I was about 10 years old when I got my first paper out, the Fond du Lac Reporter, and I'm delivering the Fond du Lac Reporter every day of the week, Monday through Friday in the afternoon, and then Sunday would come, and Sunday was a morning paper, and we were encouraged by the home office to have the paper delivered by 6.30 a.m. So we did. And I don't know if you remember this, because some of you don't even know what newspapers are anymore. Do you know that there was a time that you couldn't get your news on the internet because there was no internet? Yes, I lived during those times, believe it or not. And there was these huge Sunday papers that would come out, and I mean huge. They had so many ads and different things in them, and we'd have to put those in our paper bags and try and drag them all the way to wherever we were delivering them. And here's what made it even worse. Because the Sunday paper had those ads in it and was so big, we had many Sunday-only subscribers. They would only get the paper on Sunday morning, and so it would add to the bulk that I had to carry around. I wasn't a big fan of Sunday-only subscribers. And I thought, how many Christians in this world could be described with those two words? Sunday-only. How many Christians come to church, know what Christ has done for them, live their lives on Sunday morning as if Jesus is the most important thing to them, but then maybe the rest of the week, he doesn't make much of a difference. That's a temptation for all of us, isn't it? To know what Jesus has done for us at one time, but but not really make it important at other times in our lives. And that's why Paul's words are so important for us to hear. The why, why we're different, is goes back to those four words. I think it's four. In view of five. In view of God's mercy. That's why. That's why we're different. Because we know the mercy of Jesus. We know what Jesus came to this world to do. We believe that he made the ultimate sacrifice for us. And so God has given us not just peace with him, but life with him forever. That's what we have in Jesus. And now Jesus gives us opportunities through what he offered himself for us on the cross. He gives us opportunities to reflect that love in the way that we live 
for others. We don't have any trouble like helping people with certain things. Like, I'm sure it's not hard for you to help someone study for a subject that you're either into or something that you've taken before. Maybe it's not hard for you to edit someone's paper who asks you to take a look at it or offer somebody an opportunity to have a job. We're good at those things. But don't we have something even more important to give people? Something even more special? The news of what Jesus has done? And when we live with that love for other people, that's when people will say, what, what makes you different? Why do you stand out? Why is it the love of Jesus that pushes you to do the things that you do? And what an opportunity that gives us to point people to their Savior, to point people to Jesus, to the Savior who loves them and gave himself for them. In his letter, Peter wrote this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. That's our hope. That standing out, being transformed by the grace of God, is what allows us then to tell others about what Christ has done for them. Two quick takeaways from our devotion tonight. Number one, we recognize that faith in Jesus transforms us into people God calls his very own. To the Galatians, Paul wrote this, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's the status that you and I have before God because of his mercy. And then number two, we strive to live for the one who died for us so that we show Jesus to others. To the Corinthians, Paul wrote this, that Jesus died for us that, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Do you still recognize the guy on the screen? Okay, maybe, sort of. Willie Robertson, Duck Dynasty, anybody see it? It's not really very popular anymore, I don't think. But maybe, maybe once upon a time you saw the show Duck Dynasty. There's a story that I've heard Willie Robertson tell a couple of different times about what changed his life. And, and I'm not talking about the time that he knew that he was a believer in Jesus. He had already been a believer in Jesus. But he showed up for school one day, I think he was a freshman in high school, to his West Monroe High School classroom, and he sat down in the desk, and a student, a friend of his, came up to him and said, I visited your church on Sunday, but I didn't know that you were a Christian. He thought about that a lot, and it bothered him. He couldn't get it out of his head. He said, what am I doing that isn't giving people the impression that I'm a Christian? And he made an effort. He made an effort to live in view of God's mercy, to demonstrate to others that he was living out the grace that God had shown him first. That's why God has transformed us. That's why God has renewed our minds through faith in Jesus because he gives us the opportunity to do the very same thing in view of his mercy, to offer our lives as living sacrifices, to be transformed by his grace and then let that grace touch the lives of others. Jesus once said it this way, they'll know that we're Christians by our love. And think about this. If we showed that selfless love, if we helped others, looked out for others, wouldn't it be awesome if people said about us, I knew you were a Christian. Amen. 
Tonight in our prayers, we're going to include a prayer for the family of Pastor Aaron Strong. Some of you might know Pastor Strong or have known him. Uh, he was a pastor at Grace Lutheran in downtown Milwaukee. Uh, and this morning, he was involved in a car accident, uh, which took his life. And so we'll pray for him, uh, well, for his family, for his children especially, uh, but we'll, and his wife. But we'll pray for the congregation at Grace as well. Uh, we're happy that God has taken him home to heaven, uh, but obviously mourning for the people who he left behind. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight with heavy hearts, hearts that aren't heavy because of where Pastor Strong is now spending eternity. We're thrilled for him, and we know that that's where we are headed to because of the grace that you have shown us in Jesus. But we heard for his wife and for his children for his congregation, for all of those who loved him. We pray, Lord, that through all of these ups and downs of the next days and weeks, that you be the constant presence in their lives. Direct eyes, Lord, to your empty tomb, to the resurrection of Jesus, which assures our own resurrection and an eternal life with you. We pray that you strengthen Pastor Strong's wife and his children as they now cope with life without uh, their hu the husband and father that they were so used to having a part of their lives. We pray for the congregation, uh, Grace Downtown, that, that you would also give them strength, Lord, to, to understand that, that in all things you are working for good. We pray, Lord, that all of us number our days in this life, recognizing that our time in this life could end at any time, but that the other side of this life is life eternal with you. Guide and bless all who are mourning today, all who will mourn in the future as well, and give them your comfort, Lord, by the presence that you have in our lives every single day. We ask all of these things in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. <laughs> 